African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Good morning to you all, Channel Africans. This is African Dialogue. Thank you so much for choosing us. It's the 19th of April, 2021. And we're coming to you live from the SABC headquarters in South Africa, Johannesburg. My name is Ayanda Mkwanazi. Coming up on the program, we're going to look at the suspension of the rollout of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine in South Africa. We already saw that over the weekend, um, the South African Health Regulatory Products has already given a thumbs up for the resumption of this vaccine. So what is really happening in that arena and the delays? And uh, we're going to have that with our two panelists after the news. Let's hand choosing African Dialogue. A reminder that we're coming to you live on our DSTV audio bouquet and we're on channel 802. You can also listen to us on our website www.channelafrica.co.za My name is Ayanda Mkwanazi and together with Dumelo Zulu and Tidi Malomakao we'll be taking you through the next hour. Well, the program today, we're focusing on the suspension of the rollout of the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine. Recent uh, news that the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority, SAPRA, has recommended that the government lift the pause on administering drug maker Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine given that certain conditions are met. These conditions include, but are not limited to, strengthened screening and monitoring of participants who are at high risk of a blood clotting disorder. Last week, South Africa suspended the rollout of the J&J vaccine in the implementation study on Tuesday after health agencies in the United States of America recommended pausing its use because of rare cases of blood clots in six people inoculated with it out of some 7 million people who have received the shot in that country. To help us with the discussion, we're joined on the line by Dr. Farid Abdullah. He's from the Medical Research Council. We're also joined by Portia Ngambule, who is the Chief Regulatory Officer at SAPRA. Thank you both for giving us your time. Thank you for having us. Do we have you, Portia? Yes, I'm on the phone. Ma'am, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Let me start with you, Portia. Now, Sapra is saying that uh, the suspension should be lifted with some conditions. What are those uh, conditions? Um, yes, just to start by saying that uh, before we even came to the conditions, um, we had to engage the Sisonke um, clinical trial team and the Johnson Pharmaceutical. And what we've also did is that we had to review the local data, safety data that was reported by the team, and also um, review the data that, um, you know, has been reported um, in the U.S. So what we have decided is that um, we, we are going to, um, to, to, to uplift the, um, the, the, the courts and the conditions um, that will be um, that need to be adhered to by the study team, um, as as you have indicated, number one was to strengthen the screening and monitoring of participants who are at high risk of blood clotting disorders. And in addition, those measures that are to be implemented to ensure the safety management of any participants who develop vaccine-induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia. 
So the participant information sheets, including the informed consent forms, will also have to be updated to include this newly identified adverse events. And those participants in the study will have to be informed about the possible risks of developing the blood clot disorder after vaccination. And they will also be advised to seek immediate medical assistance should they develop any early symptoms or any signs associated with blood clots or even uh, low blood blood platelet counts. Thank you. So you're saying that you met with uh, the Sisonke team. So the, the recommendation to lift the suspension, was it a collective uh, agreement with everybody that was at that meeting? What the process that happened was that we engaged the Sisonke team. We engaged the JNJ team. We did the review. They presented to us. The, uh, thereafter, we had to sit as SAPRA, review all that information that was presented before us and make a decision as the regulatory authority of South Africa. As the regulatory authority of, of, of South Africa, so it, 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 the, the decision to suspend or to lift the suspension is really your decision and not the Department of Health's? What I can say is that with regards to suspension of clinical trials, this is not unique to the Sisonke Phase 3B study. Um, according to Good Clinical Practice, GCP, it says that should the regulator and also ethics committees, because for a clinical trial to be um, commenced or to be conducted in the country, both the clinical trials, both the SAPRA and the, um, um, what you call the ethics committees, needs to have approved that particular study. So in this case, what happens is that for any clinical trials that happens and there are any serious safety information or safety issues that have been observed, then the, um, the regulator and the ethics committees can also, you know, uh, put the study on hold. Let me bring in Dr. Farid Abdullah from the Medical Research Council. There have been mixed reactions from uh, health professionals regarding the suspension. Uh, Dr. Abdullah, what, is your, uh, what are your thoughts? Was it, was it maybe not too premature, as is the opinion of some? Um, <clears throat> so uh, thank you for inviting us onto the program. Uh, I, I think we must all understand the frustration of health workers, but you know, even the uh, policymakers and the public, uh, when when there's been a delay in the in the trial, uh, because you know there's urgency. Um, we 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 need to be vaccinating as many people as quickly as possible. But at the same time, I do think that the the public and the health worker organisations must understand that uh, it's really important that things are done properly. And I think we should take comfort in the fact that uh, uh, in South Africa, uh, uh, researchers can't just go and do a trial without very, very stringent monitoring. And this monitoring is from the ethics committees. Uh, in, in this case, it's a number of ethics committees at the universities and uh, and SAPRA. So, you know, frustration on, on all sides, really. We want to move out. Uh, move uh, uh, with vaccinating as many health workers as possible, as quickly as possible. And yet at the same time, I think we would have been severely criticized if we uh, just went ahead willy-nilly without paying due attention to the side effects that were seen in the U.S. and also without our regulatory body just reviewing this thoroughly 
in the end, I think we will all take comfort in the fact that uh, uh, that the, uh, the standards are very high in South Africa. I also think that, um, you know, it's been less than a week uh, that the trial has been on, put on hold. And I think that uh, a week in, in terms of uh, these sorts of um, clarifications is quite short for studies in general. So uh, the, the researchers at the Medical Research Council and also uh, regulators have been good at responding quickly and rapidly to make sure we can get on with this program. Thanks. As much as uh, being uh, very uh, careful here is, is, is important, Dr. Abdullah, uh, but, but some may also say that it could cause some hesitancy, maybe lack of trust, um, even among health workers going forward, the suspension, I mean. Yes, uh, absolutely. And this is the greatest downside of having had to pause the study because, uh, you know, you put a number of people in a room and a few of them are going to say, well, does this mean that this vaccine has got too many side effects for us to be comfortable with? That's definitely a downside. And with the vaccine hesitancy being a generic problem uh, locally and globally, uh, that has been the downside of pausing it. But I really think we would have lost more if we um, went ahead and there were uh, reported side effects on social media. I think, you know, what we have to do is to show the public and health workers especially that um, with this trial there's a... Um, is a very clear description of the risks so that people who decide to take the vaccine know what the risks are and uh, and they they feel they're not being hoodwinked into doing something that they're not sure about. In the end, the transparency, the openness, the honesty, I think will pay off, but not only uh, will it pay off, it's actually the right thing to do. So, um, but your point is taken. You know, the, there is a lot of doubt about the vaccines and we just need to communicate our message as well uh, to show exactly what the vaccine can do, what it can't do. Uh, and in this case, to show exactly what the side effects are. Let's put the facts out there uh, so that people can, can decide if they want to take the vaccine or not. Posha, when a suspension like this of a rollout of a vaccine, you know, happens, how long how long does it take before we can resume? Um, thank you for, for that question. As I've indicated previously that for a, a clinical trial, either to start or even after it has there has been a suspension for it to resume. Um, there has to be two regulators in the country, which is the regulatory authority and the ethics committees that will have to, you know, um, um, let that the study, um, you know, resume. From the SAPRA side, the decision has been made already. And um, what, what we are doing currently, as I'm speaking to you now, there's a team that's reviewing all the amended documents that we have asked the research team to submit to us. So from our end, we're saying the study should resume, and once the ethics committee um, says, um, you know, the study can resume or give a go-ahead, then the study can, can resume. Okay, let's pause it there, and we'll continue uh, with the two guests after the break.
across the globe, every second there's always a breaking story. What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment to our people. The government concurs with the views of the Black Economic Empowerment Council report that it is now necessary to make our policies on Black Economic Empowerment more explicit. Last May, I asked constituencies at NetLeg to discuss youth employment incentives. I'm pleased that discussions have been concluded and that agreement has been reached on key principles. We are on an ambitious drive to industrialize, to attract investment, and to create more jobs for the youth of our country. They don't have jobs. I tried looking for a job for it's a year and a half now. The challenges were periods and the, the level of education which I have. Channel Africa. Building Africa with love. Hujambo Africa. If there are holes in this continental ship, we are its children. Let us go and stop the holes. Let us gladly do it with our hearts, and if we cannot, then let us die. We will make a plug of our brains and put them into the ship, but condemn it never. Catch us on Channel Africa from 10 to 11 a.m. every Friday, and Sundays from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. Welcome back to African Dialogue. A reminder that in about 20 minutes time, we're going to get an econ update followed by the sports news. And at the top of the hour, we've got Africa Midday coming up with the latest stories of the morning of the day around the continent. Well, on African Dialogue today, we're looking at the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority, which has now recommended that the government lift the pause on administering drug maker Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine, given that certain conditions are met. We're on the line to Dr. Farid Abdullah. He's from the Medical Research Council. We're also speaking to Poshan Gambule, who's the Chief Regulatory Officer at uh, SAPRA. Dr. Farid, it, it was also said that um, the subsequent, uh, subsequent blood clots uh, that were reported in the United States were not to be taken too seriously looking at um, the, the amount or the number of people, the big number of people that had already been vaccinated. Would you agree with that? Yes, I, I think that's correct. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, to put it uh, more precisely, um, you know, there were six cases of severe blood clotting episodes from thromboembolic phenomenon in a, in a population of uh, 6.8 million people that were vaccinated in the U.S. with the J&J vaccine. You know, there was also, um, these were largely in women, uh, under the age of uh, 45. Um, so so the, the point that a lot of people are making is that the um, rate of side effects, the prevalence of side effects is extremely low. And, and you know, all medicines, all vaccines will have um, side effects. And this, you know, I think we can all agree, this, these are rare events. And... Um, uh, at the same time, uh, when you are still in the stage of testing a vaccine like the J&J vaccine, then uh, it's important for the people who are monitoring the rollout, monitoring the study, to say, look, 
there was a problem in the U.S. Can you give us assurance that we don't have the same problem here? And that is exactly what has happened over the last few days. As SAPRA and the ethics committees have asked the researchers, uh, my colleagues at the MRC, um, can you tell us whether there were similar blood clots here? In fact, can you tell us about all the side effects that you experienced? And that was what has gone through. SAPRA then said, we've looked at this. We think these side effects are not sufficient to stop the trial, so you can go ahead. Um, and um, um, I think in the long run, it will give a lot of people confidence that the risk is very low. But at the same time, people who are taking the vaccine, like myself, I was I have been vaccinated because I practice with COVID patients at Steve Biko Hospital. Mm. I know what the risks are, and it's important that I know what these risks are. You know, um, but my um, my kind of uh, sense is that once the ethics committees and SAPRA have said look, the risks are low, you can continue with this trial because the benefits are so so good, uh, they outweigh the risks, then, um, you know, it becomes policy within the government to say we will roll out this and and, and government will, will make that policy, I'm sure. Thank you. For the benefit of our listeners as well, Dr. Abdullah, how important is it for for people to understand how vaccine trials understand, I mean, work? Because some people may not have a proper understanding and the minute the news of a suspension hits the ground, it's almost as if, oh my goodness, what's happening in South Africa? We're we not in control of, of things. And already the vaccine rollout has been prolonged and the suspension, although it's a week, you know, it does have an impact on the overall outcome of the vaccine rollout. Yes, I, I think you're right. And the, the message that we have to constantly explain is that um, when you are testing a new vaccine or a new drug in South Africa, um, it's really important that the public knows that this can't just be done by any researcher without following a very strict uh, process because, you know, otherwise we'll have all sorts of uh, researchers doing all sorts of tests on drugs which are are sort of untested. If you're testing a new drug or a new vaccine, it's really important that it's done uh, very carefully and that the effect of the drugs or the vaccines on participants in the trial are well documented. And that's exactly the process that we have gone through now. Um, I do think you're right that uh, that this, uh, you know, with, with the COVID-19 vaccines, uh, there's been quite a few problems, hitches, you know, but you know that's what it is, and um, and and I think we should take a sh- some comfort once again to know that that in South Africa we have good quality scientists who are thinking through these things and giving good advice to the government, and government is responding responding uh, to the science uh, rather than making. Uh, wild decisions about what to do and what not to do. Portia, what are your thoughts there, just looking at the impact um, a suspension can have on, you know, the, the, the outcome of a vaccine rollout? We've seen delays already in South Africa. 
Um, as a regulator, um, we want to ensure that um, when the study is conducted, it's conducted in accordance with the good clinical practice, that is GCP. And um, when there are issues of safety that have been reported, and as the regulator, we take those serious. And what happens is that this is also to, to ensure that, um, you know, we take time and reflect on what has, uh, what has been reported. We investigate. We want to ensure that when we say that the study should proceed, that the participants are protected. And we have also reflected to say that, you know, um, it's safe to do so. So um, by doing so, then it it shows also that the public needs to be rest assured that we have a regulator that whenever there are serious adverse events that are coming out, you know, we are able to review those and take time to ensure that the participants will be protected during the conduct of that particular trial. And also, you know, uh, health practitioners just reading from certain articles that I've, I've come across over the past few days uh, saying that the risk of dying from COVID is higher than the risk of reacting to the Johnson and, jo- and Johnson vaccine, Portia. Yes, that is true. Um, from what we've had is that um, the risk of, 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 of having clots, you know, coming from the COVID, uh, COVID-19 itself, is much, much higher than, you know, if the, the, it were to be uh, associated with, with the vaccine. But as we're speaking now currently, we don't know whether those clots are, are they being linked to the vaccine. Because as I've indicated earlier, that the US FDA, they're still investigating this. So we'll be, we'll be informed, you know, in due course, whether these clots, are they, you know, um, associated with the vaccine. Thank you. Before I go to the break, Dr. Abdullah, would you also like to respond to that? Yes, um, you know, what's, um, um, what's become clear is that um, um, we just have to understand that the benefits of the vaccine to, to prevent severe, severe disease is enormous, you know. And uh, um, I don't think that there should be any doubt about the benefit outweighing the risk many, many times. It's um, you're, you're 300, if you get COVID, you get 300 times more likely to get a blood clot than, than if you were vaccinated. And that's really the scale of it. You know? so it's much, much better to be vaccinated. We've seen that vaccination programs in countries like the UK have really reduced the mortality uh, significantly and hospitalizations in those countries. And I don't think anyone uh, is questioning the fact that we need to roll out the vaccine as quickly as possible. Once this J&J vaccine is now back on track, remember it clears the decks for South Africa to then roll out both J&J and the Pfizer vaccines of which government has secured uh, millions of doses, 51 million doses. And so it clears the decks to then scale scale up the vaccination program, roll it out rapidly. Um, If we had this problem halfway through the rollout of the J&J vaccine, we would be in much bigger trouble than we are now. Thanks. 
That's the voice of Dr. Farid Abdullah. He's from the Medical Research Council. We're also joined by Poshan Gambule uh, from the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority, where she's the Chief Regulatory Officer. Let's take a uh, last break. When we come back, we just look at a way forward, the vaccine rollout, where to from here, now that SAPRA has made this recommendation and, uh, you know, the benefits of vaccinate uh, vaccination and when we do start, uh, when we resume this vaccination, uh, how do we then encourage people to to go get vaccinated the next stage as the health minister announced that they're looking at those with comorbidities, those uh, who are in the elderly population. So how do we get them on board as quickly as possibly with a lot of people who can also get themselves vaccinated? When I think back to my childhood, geographically, it reminds me of a time where I was black and only black and only struggling, but at the same time, always reaching for something more, something bigger in a South Africa that was hostile. Hello, Africa. This is 1000 African Voices, and I'm your host, Avurengui. Join me on Channel Africa every Thursday morning between 8 and 9 and on Saturday and Sunday morning between 9 and 10. Rise, Africa, rise. Channel Africa, from an African perspective. Building Africa with love. Hujambo Africa. If there are holes in this continental ship, we are its children. Let us go and stop the holes. Let us gladly do it with our hearts. And if we cannot, then let us die. We will make a plug of our brains and put them into the ship, but condemn it never. Catch us on Channel Africa from 10 to 11 a.m. every Friday and Sundays from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. Welcome back to African Dialogue. As we uh, wrap up our conversation here, we're speaking to Portia Ngambule from the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority, as well as Dr. Farid Abdullah from the Medical Research Council. And we're looking at the decision by the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority, well, the recommendation rather that government should lift the pause on administering drug maker Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccines, given that certain conditions are met. Dr. Farid, some benefits of vaccination, um, what would you say those are, you know, just so that uh, people are also aware, as you said earlier, that vaccinations, there are always uh, uh, advantages and disadvantages, Uh, you know, you never really know how you're going to react to it, but just some benefits uh, that people should, um, the reasons people should be vaccinating. The uh, first and most important thing is that both vaccines, uh, which have been now registered by SAPRA, that's the Pfizer vaccine and the J&J vaccine, are effective against the South African variant of the uh, coronavirus. Um, and, you know, it, it will uh, prevent uh, infection, uh, but more importantly, it will uh, reduce severity of disease and death by more than 80%. That's that's really the goal for this vaccination rollout. So your your risk of dying from COVID if you have been vaccinated is significantly decreased. And that's the most important thing to focus on. 
having said that, um, you know, the second most important thing is to remember that the the uh, risk of side effects is quite low. A small number of of people will get the side effects. So you are uh, unlikely to get side effects, but if you do, then you have been warned that it's possible you know what's going on and you can seek medical attention to manage all of these side effects. And all of the side effects are manageable. Uh, and that's why it's important that people be made aware that, um, firstly, they will, they will benefit greatly. Secondly, they will have side effects in a small number of cases. But thirdly, those side effects can be managed uh, if you seek medical attention. Thanks. Moving on to those who have now also been identified, uh, Dr. Abdullah, the elderly and those with comorbidities that in the second phase of the vaccination program, they will also be able to register. Your thoughts on on that next step that we've taken in South Africa? Well, I think now that uh, the government vaccine supplies are going to start uh, rolling in uh, from next week, I believe, uh, you know, then the remaining health workers who um, will not uh, be able to be vaccinated from the J&J trial uh, will uh, have access to the vaccines. And, uh, um, yeah, um, the registration opened a few days ago for the over 60s, and uh, the response has been very good in the first few days. But um, the most important thing is that this high-risk group of people over the age of 60 uh, uh, will be vaccinated, and uh, that's targeting the most vulnerable, the people who are most likely to get hospitalized and to die. And, uh, you know, the, I, I can't emphasize that the sooner we roll this up and scale it out, there should be urgency uh, to, to do this, uh, you know, the much better we'll be able to control the death that we are getting from, from COVID-19. Portia, now that uh, the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority has recommended that the suspension uh, be lifted, where to from here? Because also, you know, that the use of the word recommended also sort of implies that um, there's still going to be some consultation. It's not uh, a done deal that the suspension will be lifted. Um, From our end, as we have indicated that we've um, included the conditions um, to this, and the conditions included that there should be a protocol amendment, there should be the, um, the informed consent document needs to be um, amended. So what has happened is that the the team has worked on those documents, amended the protocol, amended the informed consent, and submitted to SAPRA. And as I'm talking to you right now, we've got a team of experts that are reviewing the, the, the information that has been submitted to us. So from our end, the only thing that's remaining is just to say to them, because already we have issued a recommendation, and following review, if there are any other issues that we feel that have not been addressed, those will be communicated to the applicant. But that does not affect or have an impact on the study resuming. Thank you. So would you say that the ball is in the department's court now as to whether they uh, give a go-ahead for it to continue? That's what I'm trying to get at with you, Portia. Okay, so what needs to happen is that for a study to continue, to resume, it has to have the recommendation from the ethics committee as well. 
So far, we haven't heard from the ethics committees. They are also busy reviewing the data. So once the ethics committee um, say that uh, the study can resume, as SAPRA, we have made or we have already made that decision. Then the study can resume. The Department of Health and including the MRC can continue um, with the study. And from our end, what's remaining is um, just finalization of this, those review. And um, where we see that um, the issues are not being addressed, we will liaise with the study team, and then for those things to be to be addressed. But overall, we have made a, re- a decision that the study can be um, can be resumed. Thank you. Dr. Farid, what are your parting shots to the conversation? Well, um, I, I think the most important thing to remember is that uh, because this is an, a new vaccine and uh, we're dealing with a virus which we don't know how it behaves, it keeps changing, uh, it's really important for the public to be uh, confident that uh, the scientists and the doctors who are rolling out this vaccine are are doing it under optimal conditions with a lot of care and uh, a lot of monitoring to make sure that nothing goes wrong. And uh, we've now reached a point now where once the ethics committees have approved this, it can proceed uh, apace and uh, uh, should put the vaccination program back on track within a few days. Posha, your last uh, parting uh, words to the conversation? Um, thank you. I think as SAPRA, we will continue with the monitoring of, of the study and uh, oversight and ensuring that you know the public of South Africa are protected. And as, as Prof has indicated, um, you know, the study is conducted, you know, under stringent conditions, and we want to assure the public that um, we are hands on deck, and should there be anything happening, we'll be all transparent as we've been previously, and uh, that's all I can say for now. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, that's Paul Shang Gambule, Chief Regulatory Officer uh, of the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority. We're also joined by Dr. Farid Abdullah from the Medical Research Council. Thank you both for giving us your time. Thank you for having us. That's it from the team. Thank you to our assignment and production editor, Zanele Jambani. Thank you to Tidi Malumagao, who's our technical producer. Thank you to our producer, Dumelo Zulu, and for myself, Ayanda Mkwanazi. Cheers for now. Thank you.